0: Pastor here and it's my privilege today to bring God's Word to you. Um, I was reminded this week of one of the cooler websites that kind of comes from my past, the good old days, back when I used to live in that technology bubble. And uh, I don't know if you'll ever have heard it. It's called Forward Film Reviews. Forward Film Reviews is FWFR for short. And uh, the premise is pretty simple really. The idea is that you can review films and capture them using just four words. It's a massive collection of four-word reviews of films, and you wouldn't have thought you could capture that much of a film with four words, but you'd be surprised at how well it goes. I've got some examples for you here. Do you all know the film Titanic, right? The famous film Titanic. One person put it this way, everything, including kitchen sinks. So it was quite nice. I like that. Uh, Another contributor focused more on capturing the kind of You know, the emotional dynamics that are present there with this one, selfish girl, hogs float, which I think largely sums it up. I don't think you've missed very much there. Um, But for those of you, is that me banging away? Sorry. Okay, I screwed it in as well. Does that help? I'm coming back. Am I gone? I'm here. I'll speak loudly and it'll be okay anyway. This church is designed for this. So one more, one more way. Those of you more familiar with contemporary film might appreciate this. It was um, I see dead people. <laughs> a little, little macabre, but, but you, you know where it's going. This summer is just so good. I've got to share a few more. Uh, everyone knows Back to the Future, right? Nearly everyone knows Back to the Future. What is Back to the Future in four words? A comedy of errors. A comedy of errors. Is yeah, that good? And, and what would a foray into the world of film be without a visit to Star Wars land right and you know the darker side of Star Wars the empire strikes back to the darker side I love this one Luke back in anger <laughs> do you like that? that Star Wars a little too modern okay we'll cater to the whole range of the congregation what about what about the classic Wizard of Oz how would you sum up the Wizard of Oz in just four words how about this gone with the wind see you know that might work Last one, very last one, and this actually has some connection to where we're going. It's not a complete waste of your time. Um, Last one, this film you might be less familiar with, but it is real. I checked. Um, there's There's a classic 1969 movie called Bambi Meets Godzilla. And if you've never seen Bambi Meets Godzilla, you have missed out on a treat. But this also is summarized beautifully with, the buck stops here. So, you know, go home and watch um, the classic movie, Bambi Meets Godzilla. Just a bit of fun, hopefully, but let me build on this. Um, This idea of summing things up, this idea of boiling things down and summarizing, trying to distill the essence of things. What happens when we try and do something similar with people, right? What happens when you try and take a person and distill them down to a few words, sort of like an epitaph. You know, an epitaph is that, that, that line you might find on somebody's gravestone that sums them up. This idea of summing things up, so if you 've been with us over the last few weeks you 'll know we 've been working our way through the book of colossians it 's an ancient letter written by paul, one of jesus 's first followers, to a church um, in somewhere in what they used to call it Asia, which is very confusing nowadays we call it Turkey, so a church somewhere in turkey and he 's writing to this brand new church, and uh, today we come to the very end of that letter, and like it was normal at the time, the letter ends with a set of Travel plans, here's what's going to happen, obviously Paul's not planning that much travel since he's in prison, but travel plans for other people, uh, a set of greetings, you'd say hello to people and you pass on some news, and, uh, and then a final set of instructions, and that's, that's just the way things were done back then in letters, like today, you'd put your address, if you're a good letter writer, at the top right. They used to finish with travel plans and greetings, and um, what are we going to find here? just some dry details of people long dead? Are these just going to be some irrelevant plans long completed? What we're going to find is a set of these distilled pictures, these summaries of people that we've been talking about, tiny summaries of the life and the character of some of the key followers of Jesus in this early church. And why should we spend today looking at this and not just skip over it? Is it just basically set of historical details? We're going to look at it because it's part of the Bible. And the way we approach the Bible is as God's word. He has spoken to us. And the Bible tells us elsewhere that all of it is God-breathed. That all of it is useful for teaching and rebuking and training in righteousness. All of it is here. So we, the servants of God, can be fully equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this section too is God breathes. So we're going to come together to listen to what Paul and God have to say to us. So find with me the book of Colossians and chapter number four. If you've got one of these red ones, it's on page 1185. And the chapters are the big numbers, so look for chapter four, page 1185, Colossians four. And we're going to begin reading um, from verse seven. So let me pray as we come to this. Lord, as we approach your word which is what you've told us it is. Please would you help us to listen and would you speak to us this morning? Amen. Starting at verse seven. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you might know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God. Mature and fully assured, I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Just a quick aside before we jump in. Did you notice there towards the end in verse 16 what Paul said about having this letter read? Just like we read it here today in church. I think we can see there that Paul, the author of this letter, knew he was writing God's words. You see that that public reading of things in gatherings was reserved for scriptures. When they got together, when the Jewish people would get together in synagogue, they would publicly read the Old Testament God's words to them. Paul tells them to treat his letter in the same way. He's telling them what authority it has. He knows he's writing with authority. So we should listen as well. Now, let's dive in. What have we got here? Let me give you three categories we're going to use today to gather these vignettes, these epitaphs for people um, the good, the bad. And the ugly, right? We'll stick with our film orientation. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And we should start with the good. So who do we meet first? First we meet Tychicus. And you all know Tychicus, right? Well, perhaps you don't all know Tychicus. He's probably not one of the Bible's better known characters. But Paul is sending Tychicus with this letter on a long and dangerous journey. Paul's in prison, probably in Rome. And he's sending uh, Tychicus all the way to Turkey from Rome, which in those days was an epic trip. It's so the next time you take the post office for granted. You stick a little stamp on a letter and you assume it's going to go where it's meant to. Remember, back in these days, to get anything anywhere, you had to send a person with it. And so he's the guy going with it. Here's our first example of what we've been thinking about how Tychicus is described, what summary he's given. So have a look down in verse 7. And can you see how he is described there? Gets three ways. He's a, a dear brother. He's a faithful minister and he's a fellow servant in the Lord. Now, if you know me, you know I love whiteboards. And so I I brought my my whiteboard here with me today. So let me just add these in here. So he's a dear brother. He's a faithful servant. You probably can't read my handwriting, but I know what I'm writing. Better get it right. And he's a... A faithful minister, there we go, it's a good thing it raises, and a fellow servant. It's not four words, it's six words, but it's still a summary of who he is, it's quite some summary. Now we don't know very much about this guy Tychicus really. Uh, he shows up in Acts 20 verse 4 as part of a crowd traveling with Paul that Paul has drawn from these different churches he started on his missionary journey. And Tychicus seems to go with Paul on a large part of the journey and he's still with him all the way down to Jerusalem and on up to To Rome. If you look in the back of some of your Bibles, you'll find maps of Paul's missionary journeys. And you can trace these lines and just get a sense of how far these people traveled together. It seems that he's stuck with Paul all the way through and that he's going to be now Paul's letter bearer, bringing news back to people. That's that's basically it. Kind of all we know about Tychicus. He was with Paul for a bit and he carried a message. But here we get this summary of him. We get these six words this lasting testimony to who he really was when it really mattered. Our dear brother, he's treasured in relationship by Paul. His brother in the family of God, this new family that we've been reading about in Colossians, how God's been creating. He's a faithful minister. He's staying true to what he believes through all of the difficulties and the challenges he's faced. He's a fellow servant in the Lord. Paul honors him. Treating like a peer, a fellow servant or a fellow slave of the Lord. Now I can see fear in some of your eyes. You're thinking, oh my goodness, there are a lot of names here. Are we going to get a summary of everyone? Am I ever going to get lunch? Um, but I'm not going to cover everyone, but uh, just touch on a few really quickly. One more for you, Epaphras. Epaphras probably gets the biggest mention in these greetings here. Look down on verse 12. What summary does he get? In some ways, it doesn't sound that impressive. A servant of Christ Jesus. Let's try that one on for size. Shouldn't buy cheap whiteboards. Don't erase well. A servant of Christ Jesus. Now, that might not sound like that high in honor but actually Paul only speaks of three people in this way in the whole Bible he speaks of himself and Timothy and Epaphras those are the only ones who kind of get this rank now Epaphras's prayers are reported to the church that how hard he's working for the church and the ones in Laodicea and Hierapolis they're both about 10 miles from Colossae they're not that far away you might remember back at the beginning that Epaphras is particularly significant to this church because it seems that he is the one who started it Colossians 1 7 Suggests that to us. He's the one from whom they learned the gospel, it says. But that's not how Paul chooses to summarize him. Mean, he doesn't say, uh, Epaphras, you know, you're awesome church planter. He doesn't say, You're Epaphras, the guy who started it all. His summary, how ultimately remembered, is the servant of Christ Jesus. And that is what Paul sees as the, the highest honor. Two good guys. Two guys right up there at the top of the pile. But that's not everyone in the list. I want to poke around some of the other people here. People you might not know too much about. And look at them as well. So roll back up to verse 9. And you find this guy, Anesimus. Anesimus. Some of you might be more familiar with his name from elsewhere in the Bible. But can you see how Anesimus is summarized in verse 9? Our faithful and dear brother keep going with this whiteboard here he raised harder and faster faithful and dear brother now it turns out that Onesimus like Epaphras is one of their own he's somebody they would know Somebody the church would be familiar with. They'd know his kind of backstory. But unfortunately, he doesn't have quite the same CV that Epaphras has. Now, that's why I put him here in the category of the bad. You see, he was a slave, actually, to one of the Colossians, to one of the guys at this church, a guy named Philemon, we think. It might just cross your mind to wonder how a slave of somebody in Colossae should happen to be with Paul in Rome basically at the other end of the world ready to be sent back turns out an wasn't that good at being a slave didn't really like that job description up sticks legged it ran away and uh, he abandoned his master abandoned his duty you can get a a, a synopsis a, a a sight into this story from the letter of philemon that you'll find a little bit further back in your bibles definitely the shorter end of the books you could read that one in one sitting It would show you that the the runaway slave had become a believer, and he was being sent back. He'd become not just a believer, but Paul's helper, one of Paul's critical helpers. Runaway slave. And yet, we get this summary, we get this review, a faithful and dear brother. One more of you in this category of the bad. What about Mark? Well mark the cousin of barnabas now again some of you might have your spidey sense tingling when you hear the name mark because you might remember mark's story mark went with paul and barnabas on one of their early journeys but you know what happened he flaked out he deserted he went home he didn't finish the job and because of him later on paul and barnabas have a bit of a blarney paul's giving up for another trip barnabas says come on let's take mark again paul's like no way Guy's a, guy's a deserter. Guy's not going to finish the mission. I don't want him. But here's Mark. A few years later on, back in the group around Paul. And though we have to look a little more closely for it, there's an epitaph for him too here in verse 11. He sums up that first chunk of the list with, you know, these are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. Fellow workers for the kingdom of God. He says they proved a comfort to me. What we got from Mark? A fellow worker. Not comfort. This flaky deserter. One more category for you. We've had the good, had some of the bad. Now we need the ugly. Who do I have in mind here? well I was thinking about Archippus who's mentioned in verse 17 and we don't really know what's going on there though so someone we do know a little more about is Demas now do you remember Epaphras the goody was uh, a servant of Christ Jesus well look in verse 14 our dear friend Luke is the doctor Luke's a dear friend but there at the end of the verse there's just Demas just Demas nothing said about him at all now I think he belongs in this ugly category we don't really know much about most of the people I've spoken about this morning but Demas is probably the guy we know the least about we don't know where he's from we don't know what he's doing with Paul though Philemon 124 does call him a fellow worker we don't have any epitaph for him at all we don't know anything else that Demas gets up to except for one thing 2 Timothy 4.10 this is uh, the second letter Paul writes to Timothy who's one of his key delegates he's probably one of the last things Paul writes it's a little bit after what we're reading today this is the one other thing we learn about Demas in the Bible 2 Timothy 4.10 tells us Demas because he loved this world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica do you think perhaps that Paul already had an inkling something was up here I don't know. We can't tell for sure. But it is interesting that Demas is the one in this list who doesn't get any kind of summary or review, isn't it? He's just Demas. Maybe the jury's still out for him at this stage. Maybe Paul's wondering how things are going to work out and which way this is going to go. Maybe he was just, you know, tired at the end of writing the letter and decided that's enough. Let's stop there. But in the end... Demas loved the world and he deserted. Okay, enough mini-biographies. What's my point? As I've been looking at this passage, I've been thinking about forward reviews, been thinking about epitaphs, about summaries, about distillations of who we are, and I wonder what mine might be. I wonder what yours might be. When the chips are down, and when the race is finished, when the bucket's kicked, when the curtain falls, how is it that our lives are going to be summed up, do you think? What will they be ultimately distilled down to? What will be the lasting testimony to them? An okay bloke? A fine woman. Never any trouble. He turned out all right. Drove a cool car, perhaps. What do you think? How would you sum yourself up? How is it that you would be remembered? What four-word review would describe your life? Take a moment just now. Can you think what four words might describe your life? Here's the real question. What do you want it to be? What do you want it to be? We looked at these three categories this morning. Which, which one of those would you put yourself in just now? Do you think perhaps like Demas, the truth is that you are in danger of finding yourself in that ugly category? That there's not going to be much to say about you when it's all said and done. Are you perhaps deep down so much in love with this world that in the end it's going to lead you to desert to walk away from following Jesus and go after somewhere else for satisfaction for purpose for significance for security and yet you've been given breath for today you're here today He's giving you another chance today to change that direction, to decide where it is that you want to be heading. Maybe just now there's nothing written about you, could go either way. Turn back to the one who can truly satisfy. Turn back to the one who gives you a real purpose for living. Turn back to the one who can offer you real security turn back to the one who thinks you have such significance he was willing to give his own son for you maybe for you it's not what's ahead on this journey that worries you so much maybe it's not what might happen or what might be maybe it's what what's behind maybe that's the issue maybe like mark you failed You bottled it. You were in the middle of something and you gave up and went home. Maybe you didn't toe the line at a critical moment. You dropped the ball. Maybe for you, it's more like Onesimus' story. Maybe you ran away. Maybe you headed to the far side of the world to get away from God. Maybe you did everything you could to break that relationship with God. Think about Jacob, though, this morning. We read a little section of Jacob's story, right? Do you know what the the name Jacob means? It means he grasps the heel, which means nothing to us. But in Hebrew, that's a metaphor for he's a sneaky cheat. And you know Jacob's story. If you know Jacob's story, you'll discover he is a sneaky cheat. He steals his brother's blessings. He's up to all manner of no good. Did you notice what happened when he wrestled with God? When we read about him wrestling with God, you see what God did. He told us He gave him a new name. He gave him a new name. He called him Israel. Maybe, like the prodigal son, maybe you've wasted God's riches. Maybe you took what was yours and you ran off and you spent it all and now you're empty and you've run dry, but you can still come home. See, the Father waits for you on the road. You can be restored. God delights to pick us up off the floor and make new things out of broken things to use us again to show his great power in mending broken people. Just like he did for Mark. Just like he did for Onesimus. Just like he did, of course, for Paul. Because this Paul who writes this letter, this is his story too, you see. He made a name for himself as the one who went around killing Christians couldn't get much further away. And yet that doesn't define Paul in the end. In the end, Paul is defined as a servant of Christ Jesus. Your past doesn't need to define you. Grace comes and grace wipes the slate clean. Grace makes room for you to get a new name, a new story, a new summary of who you are. There's a fresh page to work from, available to everyone. Do you want to take that today? Maybe you're none of these things and you just feel like I've been talking to everyone else all morning apart from you. Maybe it'd be quite justifying for you to put yourself in this good category when you think about what ugly looks like and what bad looks like. You're not prisoner to something that's happened in your past. It's not holding you back. You're not worried about where your future's going, whether you're going to come off the rails. Maybe you're feeling pretty good about things. Well, here's what I want you to think about today. These summaries, these tiny vignettes of people, do you notice how tightly all the ones we've looked at are centered on God. How everything that's mentioned, everything that's significant, everything that defines people eternally is about God. What defines these people is that they are beloved brothers in God's new family. They are fellow workers working towards God's plans and purposes. They're faithful ministers serving Him, fellow servants serving this God. Well how much is that what defines you? How central is God to your story? How significant is He in shaping what you're living for and how you're living? How much, if you're honest, are there other things at the center of your story? Maybe good things. Maybe it's your future career. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your kids. Four words. What, at the end of the day, do you want yours to be? I'm going to take a moment to pray just now.